0: We have been in a series that we have been calling Brave. Um, We've been talking about Joshua, the character of Joshua and his leadership. Um, We've been working through his story together. And we've called this series Brave because right at the beginning of Joshua's ministry, right at the beginning of his leadership, Joshua is commanded by the Lord to be strong and courageous. And we've been thinking together over these weeks, what does it actually look like for us and what did it look like for Joshua in his leadership to be people who are brave, to be people who are strong and courageous as the Lord has commanded us. And last week we were in Jericho. We looked at that famous story of uh, the Battle of Jericho where the people were walking around the walls as commanded by the Lord in worship to him. And on the seventh day, the walls come down and they take the city. And we were thinking a little bit about devotion. We're using the word devotion to think about What does it look like to be people who devote ourselves to the Lord? And we talked about how devotion really is what happens when we combine worship and obedience together. And that's what the Lord desired from the people of Israel, their devotion. And it's what the Lord desires from us, our devotion to him, our worship and our obedience to him. And this week we are in the next city along they've taken the people of Israel have taken Jericho and they're moving to the next city along which is the city called Ai and they're going to move into the city so why don't we um, pick up our reading we're going to read from Joshua chapter 7 today but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things Achan son of Carmi the son of Zimri the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of them So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up. But they were rooted by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. And the elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas! Sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been rooted by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they'll surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. That's why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go. Consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So what's happened here? Off the back of the success of Jericho, um, the people of Israel, Joshua as the leader, they're so happy They're so confident. The Lord is with us. But what's happened? Well, a man called Achan, whose name means trouble, so they should have known, he's taken some of the spoils of war from Jericho. He's taken um, a cloak and some gold and some silver, and he's hidden it in his camp. And the Lord had specifically commanded the people that when they took Jericho, they must not take any of the spoils of war. They're not to take anything. Everything was to be destroyed. But they don't know that yet. Joshua has sent spies into Ai to go and see what's what. What's the situation? Can we take this land? What's it going to require? And it's safe to say the spies come back a bit overconfident. They're like, ah, no problem. You only need a few thousand men to take it. Nobody lives there anyway. Don't worry about it. We've absolutely got this. Um, But then when they do go in, 36 of their men are killed. They're chased away from the city gate. And all of a sudden, it says in scripture, Israel becomes fearful. It says their hearts melted with fear. And the Lord asks Joshua to figure out what's going on. The Lord says to Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Someone has failed. Someone has done something wrong against me. And the Lord asks Joshua to figure out who from amongst them has done it. And if you go on to read the rest of the chapter, the rest of chapter 7 and into chapter 8, you will read exactly what happens. They work out together by gathering the people and whittling them down sort of group by group that it was, in fact, Achan. And they figure out what his sin was. Eventually, he confesses what he has done to the people, only when they know it was him already. Um, And then they kill him. And then they go forward again, back to Ai, and this time the Lord is with them, and they take the city. Spoiler. Um, But uh, there are massive amounts of stuff to unpick in this story, isn't there? You know, we could talk about sin, we could talk about holiness, we could talk about faithfulness to God, we could talk about community and justice. But today, sort of as I was thinking about this story, what I really wanted us to think together a little bit about is failure. All of us are people who fail. All of us are people who get things wrong in so many different ways all the time. But what does it look like for us to be people who are called to be brave in the context of our own failings? called to be strong and courageous as we fail. I wanted to tell you, and I've been saving this story because it's a good one. Uh, I wanted to tell you the story of what I think has been my biggest fail this year. Um, And I hesitate to share it with you because it's really embarrassing for me. Um, But it is a good story. So here it comes. Uh, Some of you will know that I'm quite recently ordained. I was only ordained, some of you might know, you get ordained twice. You get ordained a deacon, and then the year after, you get ordained a priest. So this summer, I was ordained priest. Uh, And it's a a service, an ordination service, where you gather together. The bishop is there. It's a big deal. Everybody lays hands on you, and you are ordained a priest in that moment. It's a big service, very formal, um, and feels like a really, really big deal. But I was excited. You know, this is kind of the culmination of years and years of training and processing, calling, and you know, figuring all these things out. And I'm there, and we on the we, I was um, ordained priest on the Saturday. On the Wednesday, we had a rehearsal, so we gathered at the church. It was one of the churches in the city, and we practiced what we were going to do. You know, there's a lot of I know we don't really do that here, but in other parts of the church, there's a lot of processing. Uh, We practiced the processing thing. We practiced moving in and moving out. We practiced going through the service. And we practiced together what it would look like for all of us, those who had just been priested, to serve communion to the others who were gathered there. That was what we were going to do. And as they were doling out who was going to do what, um, who was going to sort of stand at the back with a cup, who was going to stand over there with a plate, it came to me and the the, um, responsibility that was given to me was that I was gonna stand next to the bishop at the front and serve the wine as she served the bread. I mean, come on. I mean, maybe they just chose it randomly based on who was standing where, but I like to think, well, and this is where my problem began, that it's because I looked like the most qualified person to stand next to the bishop and do that. Um, And so the day arrived, Saturday, we're very excited, we're all uh, robed up, ready to process, ready to go, uh, ready to go through the whole service Um, and it's important to say at this point as well that uh, a part of a priesting service is that uh, other people your priest your incumbent Phil and Mark and others who I know who are ordained are invited to come along as well and they wear their robes and when it comes to the moment of ordination they lay their hands on you Um, and it's a really special amazing moment so Phil was there Mark was there others were there so it came to the moment I was ordained but then it came to the big moment where I was going to serve the wine next to the bishop now the bit that we hadn't prepared for or hadn't rehearsed was holding the actual chalices that we were going to be given and I was given the biggest chalice I've ever seen in my life it's like the size of a bucket it was huge and as I've told this story more and more it gets bigger but it was an absolutely massive chalice never held one like it um, and so I was handed this chalice quite full of wine, but because it was so kind of and you can see where this is going because it was quite big, i couldn 't really tell when someone had been able to sip from it or not, and how far back I had to tip it. So Phil came up for communion and thanked the Lord that it was phil. Um, but in this moment, there was a little bit of uh, misunderstanding, miscommunication between Phil and I. Phil uh, very graciously came up to me to receive his wine. I gently kind of tipped the cup. He gave me a look, which he tells me later was um, a look of like, thank you for serving the communion. But I thought it was a look of, I haven't had any. <laughs> so I decided to tip it again further in front of the whole church and the bishop, sloshed wine down my incumbent, which is Phil. Um, And he, when I tell you he was covered in wine, it was dripping down his beard. It was dripping down his robes. There was a puddle on the floor. It was a problem. That was my biggest failure of the year. Thankfully, it was all fine. People were very kind and told me they didn't notice, but... happened. We were sticky. Everyone was sticky. It was bad. Uh, Okay, why am I saying that? Why am I even telling that story? Well, uh, failure. That was my biggest fail of the year, or that's at least my most public one. Um, But all of us fail, don't we? And in this story that we've read here, um, there's lots of failure that we see. The obvious failure is Achan. You know, the people have been explicitly told don't take any stuff from Jericho don't take the gold don't take the silver don't take the robes don't take anything in the future you will have things that will be given to you as spoils of war but please don't take that that is what the Lord had explicitly told them but Achan's greed has got the better of him he's seen these things he knows that they're all going to be destroyed and he must have thought well no one will know why does it matter um and event but eventually a little bit later on in chapter 7 Achan admits it he says it's true i've sinned against the lord the god of israel and this is what i've done when i saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from babylonia 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels i coveted them and i took them and they're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath Achan's seen this beautiful robe. He's thought about how wonderful he was going to look in it. He's seen the silver and the gold and thought about how rich that was going to make him. And he just couldn't resist. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He'd been explicitly told not to do it. He knew he was going against what God had said, <coughs> excuse me, and jeopardizing the people, jeopardizing their success. But in that moment, he just couldn't help himself. Have you have experienced that yourself? I have. You know you know that the thing you are really wanting to do, the thing you're really wanting to take, the thing you're really wanting to be involved in, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. But you can just put all of that aside for a moment because you want to do the thing that you're tempted to do. We all get it wrong, like Achan did. You know it's wrong, but in the moment you decide to ignore it, and just do it anyway. But I think we also see Joshua fail here in this particular story as well. You know, the story of Jericho is incredible. Joshua comes to the Lord, and the Lord instructs him. The Lord tells him exactly what to do, and he faithfully does it. But here at the beginning of the battle of Ai, we don't hear that We hear that Joshua sent spies into the land. The spies come back a little bit overconfident. And Joshua just goes with it. You know, he hasn't taken this stuff to the Lord. He makes a plan on what's going to happen based on pride. He forgets that it was the Lord who did it at Jericho, not him. It wasn't a great military campaign that he led. It was following the Lord. But he forgets that. And then when when it does all go wrong... Joshua goes to God in this great, dramatic display. He throws himself on the ground and he says, Alas, sovereign Lord! Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd stayed on the other side of the Jordan. If only we hadn't even come into the promised land. Does that remind you of anyone? It's the same as the people when Moses had brought them out of Egypt and all of a sudden they're hungry and they start saying, why did we ever come to Egypt? Why did we ever do this in the first place? We should have stayed in Egypt. We were slaves, but at least we had cucumbers. That's what they say. Um, it's a really interesting failure that Joshua has. And when we see the failure of Achan and we see the failure of Joshua, we see that it's possible for us to fail when things are going badly and it's possible for us to fail particularly when things are going really well. We need to be really careful when things are going really well. When things are going really badly, when we're on our knees, when we're at the end of ourselves, it's much more obvious for us that we must throw ourselves on the floor before the Lord and ask Him to come and help us because we're helpless and we have no power and we can't do anything. But when things are going well and we're nailing it, we're smashing it, we're doing amazing things for the Lord, we're successful at work, our family's thriving. It's easy for us to forget to bring things to the Lord. It's easy for us to get to bring things before him and ask for his help. And that's what we see Joshua doing here. We need to remember, like we talked about last week, in the good and the bad and the ugly to stay devoted to the Lord. Worship and obedience. What happens when we fail? Well, when we fail, it has an impact on us, it has an impact on our relationship with God, and it has an impact on our community. And that's what we see in this story, isn't it, for Achan? It has a huge impact on him. Achan, at the end of the story, is stoned to death because of the sin that he's committed. It has an impact on our relationship with God. You know, when we see that Joshua has failed and the men that he sent in, 36 of them has, have died, Joshua goes from this uh, quite kind of sense, sensible kind of guy who presents himself to the Lord and is obedient and listens to what he's saying to this kind of dramatic emotional character who um, who's kind of telling the Lord, you've done it wrong and how are we going to get this better? And he says, um, where is it? What are you going to do for your name? Because we're going to be wiped out now because of what's happened. Um, He's kind of counseling the Lord. When we fail, it gets in in the way of our relationship with God. And when we fail, it has an impact on our community. But the good news is that all of us fail. And all of us, in fact, the story of our whole faith is that when we fail, there is grace. Grace when we fail there is mercy beyond mercy for all of us for each of us individually and for us as a whole community so when we want to resolve our failures the first thing that we need to do or maybe not the first thing but one of the three things that we need to do is deal with it in ourselves you know it has an impact on us so we need to deal with it in ourselves when we've got things wrong In the story, uh, they go through this process of finding out exactly who had done wrong, whittling it down, figuring it out. But at no point did Achan own up to what he had done until it got to the moment where they already knew that it was him. He could have stepped forward and said, oh, it was actually me. But even when, you know, they gathered the whole assembly together and they said somebody sinned, he thought, "Mm, maybe I'll get away with it. And then they whittled it down to one tribe. And he thought, "Mm, maybe I'll get away with it. And then they whittled it down to his family line. And at that point, he must have been thinking, oh. But still, he didn't own up to it. And then they whittled it down to him. And it was only then that he owned up to it. But we have the opportunity to deal with our failings in ourselves, to deal with the things that we have got wrong in ourselves, and to not be like Achan. We also have the opportunity because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of the fact that he died so that we might have relationship with the Father despite our sin, despite the things that we get wrong every day. We can deal with it with God. Our failings have an impact on our relationship with God, but we can deal with it with him. And that's what Joshua does despite his drama. Joshua does go to God he throws himself on the ground and i love what joshua uh, god says to joshua he says to him stand up what are you doing on your face go deal with this and i love that i don't know if you have an experience of that when you know that you've done something wrong and you need to bring yourself before the lord God is so good, he's so gracious, but he also calls us to get up off our faces, to stop wallowing in it and to crack on. Go on and carry on doing the things that I've called you to do. I know you failed, let's move on. I know you failed, let's move on. That's what the gospel is, that's what it's all about. I know you failed, but get up off your face and get on with it. And I know so often in our complicated lives, in our complicated failings, in our situations that we have in our lives, it's not often as simple as, come on, get up and get on with it. But the Lord is with us. And that's why he, part of the reason why he gives us our community. So we have to deal with it in ourselves. We have to deal with it in our relationships with God ongoingly, every day. But we have to and we get to deal with it in community as well when I sloshed the wine all over Phil, I stood there and I didn't know what to do because I knew that I had spilled, like consecrated wine on the floor and that was offensive to people. And I was disappointed in myself that I had done that. And my, you know, my pride had allowed for that to happen. But thankfully... A wonderful priest called Father Ben, who I know, was right there. He was coming up for communion too. And I just said to him, Father Ben, help. (laughs) Literally, those were the words I used. And he did. He took the uh, cloth from me. He knelt down on the ground. He wiped up the wine that I had spilled. He went uh, to the back. He dealt with it. He brought me out a fresh, clean cloth. And he told me not to worry. When we make failures, when we make errors in our lives, which all of us do, we have the gift of each other to help us to move forward from those things. We get to help one another to mop up each other's messes that we've made, even when they're really offensive public ones. That's the gift of a community of grace where Jesus is, where the Holy Spirit dwells with us, is that we get to help one another, stand with one another as we mop up each other's messes, as we mop up each other's failings. And that doesn't mean like brushing things away or brushing things under the rug, but it means bringing things into the light in a community of people who know and love Jesus and sit in the safety of his love for us. And then I had to carry on serving wine to the rest of the people. But Father Ben had come, he'd mopped up my mess, and he enabled me and helped me to continue to serve people, and that's what we get to do. We get to mop up each other's messes and call each other on. Just as God says, get up and go. We get to say to one another, get up and go. I know you've made a mess of this, but let's carry on together. We're all gonna get it wrong, a lot. We're all gonna fail. Whether it's like Achan, you know, falling into sin, even though we know that it's wrong. Or whether it's like Joshua and getting a little bit too overconfident and forgetting to come to God. You know, it has an impact on us. It has an impact on our relationship with God. It has an impact on our community because we are one people. But just as God commanded Joshua to get up and go, and he did. You know, Joshua did. He tried again. He listened to the Lord this time, and he led the people back into battle, and this time, under the Lord's command, in the context of his promise, they took the city. God promised to them, for I have delivered into your hands this time the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And the Israelites came, and they took the city. There is grace upon grace upon grace for each of us, which is every one of us that makes failures Why don't we stand together? Another band come up and join me.